Hello and welcome to A Glimpse into the Future. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos, and in this podcast series, we explore with some of the world's leading experts how new technologies and ideas can help us shape our future. In this week's episode, I talk to Hélène Ray, Lord Bagri Professor of Economics at the London Business School and member of the World Economic Forum's Council on the Future of Financial and Monetary Systems. So after a number of years of economic crisis, is it now finally the time to be optimistic about the progress uh, of economy globally? So it is time to be optimistic, but it's not time to be complacent. I think that's a, a very important uh, juncture because we have had a very deep crisis. Uh, a lot of people have suffered and uh, now we have an upturn. It's true, a cyclical upturn. And it's, um, it's, an, it's a good one because it's widely shared uh, among advanced economies and, and emerging markets. However, this is precisely the point in time in which some reforms should be done to make the economy more resilient. And we should really not be complacent because even though growth is, is now back, there's still a lot of debt uh, in the economy. So what are these reforms, in your opinion, that need to be done now at this, uh, this period? So there are, you know, each country will have his uh, favorite list of, of reforms. Mm -hmm. But uh, certainly if I, uh, if I look in the euro area, uh, there's a number of, uh, of reforms which should be done, precisely because it's a, it's a right window of opportunity. It's a right window of opportunity because of the economic conditions and also because we have new uh, political momentum in, uh, in France and, and in Germany. Mm -hmm. So this is really an occasion not to be missed. So what are those reforms? Well, uh, I have just uh, worked with a group of uh, 13 other French and German economists uh, on uh, precisely a list of reforms that we, we think should be implemented in order to increase the resilience of the euro area mm -hmm. and, uh, and to improve welfare of, uh, of uh, European citizens. So these reforms would consist on, uh, you know, would be in several, uh, several areas. So I won't have time to spell all of them. However, let me just give you a flavor. So there would be uh, reforms about the banking union, which uh, should be completed, uh, together with uh, reinforcements of uh, efforts towards the capital market union. There should also be some reforms of a fiscal framework, because the current fiscal framework has proved to be uh, useless, uh, non-credible, and also far too pro-cyclical. So it has not been a good tool for macroeconomic stabilization. Mm -hmm. So we should have a framework which is more forward-looking, which is uh, not so pro-cyclical, which is more transparent, and a framework that the countries uh, could take more ownership on. So people should be held responsible. However, we should also have more flexibility. So it's possible to design fiscal rules which would, be, which would have these uh, desirable properties. So that's a very important area. Another very important area would be to think more about uh, mechanisms to restructure debt in an orderly fashion uh, in the euro area. And uh, finally, there should also be some thought given to the governance uh, of the euro area and uh, possibly to some uh, rainy day type fund in order to, uh, to improve risk sharing when there are big shocks, big, big asymmetric shocks hitting some countries in the euro area. So these are just a subset of the thing we propose as a package and uh, they have been proposed jointly uh, by French and, and German economists. Very interesting. In, in parallel, obviously, to all of these economic 
upturn, if you want, there is also, we're witnessing in a global scale, a backlash against the current trend of globalization. Um, is this a trend that you as an economist see continuing in the, in the next 10 or so years? And if so, uh, what would be the implications for the global economy? So I think indeed there is a backlash um, towards globalization, and uh, there are several uh, several reasons for that. And I think some are very good reasons. Mm -hmm. So um, first of all, we have we have seen that uh, globalization has uh, winners and losers, and that's pretty clear from economic theory. If we think about trade, <laughs> you know, liberalization, there's going to be people who are who are losing from that. And unfortunately, it's, mm, it is not in every country that there is a, a system that is able to compensate the losers to retrain them, uh, to give them better jobs. This, uh, you know, some countries have dealt with that uh, reasonably well, others have not. So that's for the, clearly from the trade side. But there's also globalization on the financial side. And I think to some extent, citizens are becoming aware that uh, with uh, new technologies, uh, with uh, multinational companies, which are becoming uh, even bigger and very much cross-border in their operations, there is a sense that uh, these companies may not be paying their fair share of taxes, for example, that there is a lot of uh, profit shifting. Uh, there is a lot of arbitrage across jurisdictions competing for the, <laughs> the lower possible tax rates. And uh, in a world in which uh, citizens need uh, education, they need security, somebody has to pay for these public goods. And the sense that uh, corporations are not paying their fair share here, and some wealthy individuals are not paying their fair shares, uh, is becoming more and more uh, in the public eye. And that has created a backlash against financial globalization. And if I look at it as an economist, you know, I think there should be a lot more work on that. But there does seem to be a, a correlation between financial globalization, which became much more prevalent in the 1990s, and the amount of profit shifting that multinational corporations have been doing. So there does seem to be some link between the, the ability to shift capital easily across borders and tax avoidance, tax optimization, whichever way you want <laughs> to call it, and also possibly, you know, increase in wealth concentration. So I think this is not a healthy situation. And I think this is clearly something that, you know, people should think about as citizens and also as economists. Do you think it's a trend that you see being reversed at this moment? Or in the next 10 years, you still see that we'll be trying to find ways to solve it, hence this backlash against globalization will keep increasing. And I'm afraid at the moment uh, it goes the other way in the sense that we are witnessing a regressive tax program in the United States, which, if anything, is going to lead to more uh, concentration in income uh, and in wealth. And we know that a lot of the tax avoidance or tax shifting comes from the most wealthy individuals. Uh, so this is, you know, an empirical fact. So I don't see a reversal for, you know, one of the main economies in the world. And uh, as, a, as a result, uh, because there is a little bit of a breakdown of international cooperation uh, due to uh, several nationalistic <laughs> positions of a number of countries, uh, I see that instead of making progress on that front, we may be stagnating or even, you know, going backwards. So that calls for an increased effort of international cooperation among international organizations, increased dialogue. Uh, but this is very, very hard if you don't have cooperation by the big powers. So what would it mean for a global economy, uh, a regression in a non-global 
uh, economy, <laughs> in a fractured global economy? What will it mean? Well, that means, uh, so if we, if we go back on globalization, both in, in trade and in, uh, in uh, financial globalization, that means uh, many different things. Uh, so, uh, in trade, the trade economists tell us that this is uh, uh, detrimental for uh, the welfare of consumers. Uh, and, you know, as you put up tariffs, uh, who is paying the bill? Well, it's the people buying the goods. So that's going to be the consumers. Uh, of course, there's some amount of redistribution across, across different, different people if you, if you put off barriers. But on the whole, you increase in efficiency uh, quite a lot in the world economy. So that's a concern. Uh, on the financial side, so, you know, there are good sides of financial globalization and bad sides of financial globalization, but certainly if there is a breakdown in cooperation, you are more likely to increase the bad side of financial cooperation because you are more likely to have raised to the bottom, for example, in corporate tax, everybody trying to uh, attract investment in their jurisdiction, and by doing so, going to the bottom, and, and nobody can, will be able to effectively tax uh, companies or wealthy individuals, etc. So, for all these reasons, um, it's you know it would be much better to go back to the spirit of the Bretton Woods institutions, which clearly were built after major traumati traumatizing event in the world economy, and were there to restore prosperity at the global level. So, we need that a lot more because not only we need prosperity, but we need cooperation on climate change, <laughs> on the key environmental issues, and so if we go to a fractured world. That's going to be a dramatic, you know, possibly our survival is, is in question here. So you already talked about some, some of the reforms and measures and discussions that need to take place to avoid this future. Uh, and I should say, I, 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 I uh, talked about the euro area governance, but there are lots of other very positive reforms that could be done at the European Union level. In particular, there's quite a bit of momentum possibly uh, to do some uh, very significant environmental reforms, such as having a meaningful carbon price. That could be done at the European Union level. Uh, there would be a lot of scope as well for much more cooperation at the security level to, sec to secure the external borders, to have a common asylum policy. So there are lots of, um, of policies beyond the governance of the euro area that would be extremely positive at the EU level, also in terms of energy cooperation. And, and that, I think that's also the right moment to, to push forward on those, on those reforms. And looking forward now with the coming of the, what we call very often the fourth industrial revolution with these new technologies. Do you see some opportunities that, with some new tools that can help us completely change the game and be a big ally in this fight to, to keep this world together? Um, well, I mean, as usual, when you have a big, uh, a big shift, uh, it's first very hard to predict what is going to happen. And second, uh, there are good, good sides and bad sides. So. Each time we had a big industrial revolution in the past, so what, what seemed to have happened is first that people don't realize what's going on. That's the first initial stage. And nobody knows what to do exactly with those new technologies. So you don't see productivity increase for quite a while because people have to figure out how to use these technologies in the production process in an efficient way. And it's very hard. You know, when you have never seen an electricity, electricity and a bulb, you know, we <laughs> everything that you can do with electricity, it's hard to imagine. And then, then it percolates through in the economy, then you see uh, productivity rising, then you see disruption. So you see people losing their job, uh, 
And, uh, and that's very painful when it happens, obviously. And then, in the past at least, we've, we've seen new jobs coming out of that, new things that nobody could have foreseen, uh, and, and, and extraordinary inventions happening. Now, we have to hope that this fourth industrial revolution is of the same kind. So we have to hope that for the moment we are starting to see more disruption, people losing their job, uh, and clearly this is a very painful time. So that's, that's why we have to have the appropriate policy. You don't protect the job, but you protect the people, you train them, and that's not obvious in many regions of the world. And after that, we have to hope that there will be all these new jobs coming with these new technologies that are going to be created. But we cannot be sure. We cannot be sure because it's just exactly the type of thing we don't know how to forecast. And we, and we can't forecast. We can't forecast invention. We can't forecast implementation of technologies. So we have to be hopeful uh, that this will happen. But in the meantime, it, it, it's very bumpy. And, and that's why one has to think through really the type of uh, social contract that, that people need in this kind of new technological world. Plus, and to go back to something I, I mentioned before, uh, these new technologies also maybe are more of a nature of winners take all. So big corporation may get to monopoly situations. Uh, data is important in this world. Uh, we don't, we're not sure about copyrights, about, about you know, property rights of data. Who owns the data? It's not clear. We don't have the rules of the game. Uh, we are not too sure about antitrust policies in this world. So there are lots of rules of the game that are not fixed. And if it's a winner-take-all, if it's a monopoly uh, situation in, in many sectors, then it's very hard to see how the, the kind of wealth created by these new technologies can be shared. Okay, so that's, these are very important issues <laughs> that so, we have to deal with. <laughs> so, you know, here in, in Davos this week, we have all of the, not all, but a lot of the, the global decision makers. Uh, what would be one message to them then, uh, beyond being hopeful, what, uh, what should they be tackling right, right here, right now? Well, it's, it's time for, to restore international cooperation, to rewrite the right rules of the game, for the new world in which we are living in, which is partly shaped by this new technology. That was Professor Hélène Ray from the London Business School and member of the Global Future Council on Financial and Monetary Systems. My name is Rigas Hadzilakos, and that was all from this week's episode of A Glimpse into the Future. <laughs>